I uh, I'm very excited because we got finally like a really good review of our podcast uh, <laughs> from your mom from my mom yeah well <laughs> thanks mom welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast this podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver British Columbia we interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps Podcast. Um, welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast. Today, we're joined by my amazingly awesome, if two-dimensional co-host, Jack Daniel Strong. How are you doing, JD? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, the caffeine's kicking in. I'm ready to rock and roll. Excellent. Excellent. And of course, today we're joined by our amazing in three dimensions, Shauna, Shauna, co-host with the mostest. How are you doing, Shauna? Oh, you know, hanging 10. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are your superpowers today? Super mom, super IT, super... They're, you know, they're hanging in there. If I uh, suddenly am unavailable, I've ran away to go hold the baby. (laughs) <laughs> that works that works she definitely has this like weird telepathy thing where she like lets me know what she needs by like screaming which it it definitely is effective <laughs> that is a definitely superpower is yeah. it is today on the podcast we're joined by two amazing guests speakers at mac devops 2021 we have lucas how's it going lucas it's going well glad to be here today on the podcast we're also joined by james smith how's it going james yeah, it's great to be here. I'm glad that I could uh, join in on the fun. Yeah, this virtual thing, you know, everyone being remote, we can just pop in and join us. You know, you can join a local meetup uh, that's not in your city, or you can join a podcast. You don't have to fly here, even though it would be nice to hang out. But yeah, something Yeah, it about- doesn't require 18, 19, 20 hours of flights for me, if you can't tell I'm from Australia, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been my first awkward question. Where are you from? What's with the accent? But yeah. What part of Australia? It's you, it's you with an accent, Matt. I have an accent. What's that a boot? <laughs> so today on the podcast, we're joined by two speakers for uh, Mac DevOps. That is an amazing thing. So Lucas, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Lucas. Um, I'm a client platform engineer at Slack. Um, I really just tell people that I'm a digital janitor, kind of <laughs> cleaning up in the background and people just kind of, you know, if you're doing your job well, you're not getting paid attention to. And that's kind of the mantra I live by. Uh, yeah, so I'm in Bellingham, Washington, so I'm actually not too far um, from Vancouver, so it wasn't much of a trek for me, but I still look forward to it every year coming up and getting some of the aforementioned ramen. Um, (laughs) It is very good. Uh, Very good. So, yeah. Bellingham is uh, definitely very close. You're our neighbor. Uh, I remember as a kid uh, going across that border to get milk and cheese and gas. You know, not not all to consume, but uh, all at good prices. Those Americans, you know. And subsidize stuff a little bit. Yeah. It's been... It's been for sure noticeable, especially in the summer with the pandemic. You can actually find like spots to camp around the sound and stuff now. So <laughs> there's no Canadian pesky um, Canadian. <laughs> um, um, there's not a line out the door at Trader Joe's, um, that kind of stuff. So I do miss it though. The town doesn't seem that in conjunction with the college, you know, kind of taking it slow with everything. It's uh it's been kind of quiet. So subdued excitement to the max. Yeah, I, I know with the, the previous political administration thing, a lot of my friends, we all decided pretty much not to go camping in Washington anymore, which was kind of sad because I, I really liked going camping with my kids. And um, I, I it's fun, like a weird compliment, but the campgrounds in Washington state are just amazing, well kept, uh, clean, like the showers are actually like awesome, like just like, you know, clean and like hot showers. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a little more rustic in Canada or <laughs> we put We're our money in, our in the healthcare. So you can you can yeah. enjoy our campgrounds. Yeah. Well, you know, we pay, we pay, but uh, it definitely <laughs> has a lot of a lot of good times camping in uh, Washington and state and Oregon uh, with the kids before and. 
It's the only time I'd cross the border and not feel super nervous because I'd be like, well, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, camping. And they look at the car with all the stuff. And they're like, okay. You know, it's like. Checks out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, other than that, you know, you can get, get grilled at the border. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you stealing jobs? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> our other wonderful guest, uh, James, introduce yourself, please. Uh, so I'm James uh, from Melbourne, Australia, uh, all on the other side of the world. Um, I'm an engineer at ANZ, which is one of our big, uh, one of the large banks in Australia. And I'm also the audio engineer for the Mac Admins podcast. Delightful job you're doing there, James, keeping those uh, rowdy uh, people in control, making them sound great. Unless they annoy me and then I get to uh, play with that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's it's been fun that's that's really uh i look forward to that every week when i get to uh listen and and cut the audio and and also just it's a it's a great community of of people that we have we have a bunch of great listeners as well so it's it's really fun you ever get compliments from your mom about the podcast <laughs> my mom does ne- <laughs> definitely does not listen to the podcast it would just probably what? bore her to tears well, you just don't have the right content. <laughs> yeah. But it is good because when, uh, whenever we have um, any of our Apple reps uh, come and see us at the office here, they always, com- they always comment. It's like, oh, you know, I was listening to the episode last week. And um, so it's always uh, good to hear kind of through the grapevine when people at Apple are actually listening to the podcast, um, mm. even when we're complaining about the things that Apple are doing. So. Well, we never complain about what Apple's doing with products no, here. No. Never. Mm. Never. No. no. You're too polite for that. <laughs> no, you, you, uh, you're doing a great job on that podcast, and it's awesome when you're on, cam- on camera, on the mic, when we can hear you, you know. I'm, I love those guys, but it's good to hear your voice, you know. And you're, not, you're always behind, uh, you know, the, the podcast. You need to be in front of it. It's it's funny. Sometimes I do try to hop on, especially for any of the uh, the live or the, or the flashcasts that we do. Just the the short intros, I'll try and make time to jump on those. But otherwise, it's just or, or actually a lot of the sponsor reads. Whenever um, either Tom's sick or I'll just jump in and, and do those as well. Um, I try to make time for it, but it, it's just like I spend so much time editing the podcast, and it's like, oh, can I take a couple of hours chunk out of my day to to chat with them? Um, so it's. It's less regular than I'd like. Well, I definitely listen to those sponsor reads when it's you reading them. It's <laughs> lovely and beautiful. Your voice is, you know, just, it's romantic. Get I'm falling nice in love. close to the mic. <laughs> yes, you got to get really close to the mic, yes. <laughs> just like a warm hug for your ears. You're a beautiful person, James. Thank you. <laughs> this is going off uh, really well this morning. This is great. <laughs> Well, actually, I say this morning because for me, it's only 9 a.m. I'm, I'm actually not sure what time it is for you all there. Oh, it's 9 a.m. here, too. It's the same time everywhere. Okay, sure. <laughs> we've, we've just gone the whole world. We all run in UTC, don't we? Okay, great. Yeah, we've just transitioned to just one global time. It'll make everything easier. You'll never miss a meeting again. Yeah, Perfect. I mean, with our efforts to uh, to do the our conference in a sort of live format uh, time zones, we run against that reality where some people are going to be asleep and some people are going to be awake at a certain time um and i know i heard the comment from a few of our australian uh, attendees that they were going to stay awake anyway because you know they were training themselves for wwdc which i think last year it was the the week after the following week and so they were like well we're just going to stay up all night and 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 be part of mac devops because we're going to stay up all night from for wwdc and this year they're both happening in the same week uh, wwdc and mac devops so um yeah it's going to Screw up a lot of Australians and everyone in that time zone. <laughs> It'll definitely be fun because I've got two young kids. So even if I do get up, I'll, I'll try to go to bed early and then wake up at probably about 3 a.m., which is when the keynote will be on for that. Um, and then there's no point in going back to sleep because an hour later, probably my youngest, Teddy, who's just turned three, he'll be yelling. He's like, Dad, Dad, come and get me. And he's just sitting in his bed. He's like, Bud, just open the door. Hop out of bed. Don't wait for me to come in there. <laughs> nice. Although maybe I don't want him to do that. So, Lucas, Mac DevOps and WWDC in the same week. I mean, it's hard to argue which one is the best, but I mean, both at the same time? Come on. I know. Well, I think you can kind of sum it up for us uh, in the room and listening. One of those things has a pretty good, like, 
connotation around it makes you feel good um you like being a part of it and watching it and taking part in it and then the other one you just kind of dread every year and uh <laughs> what what could be said or what changes are coming because uh, you know the impacts are, that are you know inevitable i always try to be one year behind on os's personally with my production environments for my clients and so it's like one year transition and then it's like okay let's finish up the big sur transition because we're going to come into mac os who knows what next you know it's like I know other people are more brave or more uh, forceful in pushing everyone, you know, after a couple of months uh, into the new OS. Uh, have you uh, moved everybody to Big Sur already or are you in charge of that or are you just a spectator in this in this blood sport? I think I'm I'm in a piece of all of those things um, <laughs> to some degree. Um, I think I think for us, it's usually just driven by um, the tooling um, conjunction with security requirements and things. So, you know. Where, where is Xcode supported for development of an application, right? Like, so the new Xcode version, well, guess where you're only going to get that. So, you know, that kind of is usually the catalyst of moving from one to another, you know, barring no real unpatched security issues, which doesn't seem to be the case this year. So, you know, we just kind of let the dev, the dev need and the tooling drive that as much as possible. So, yeah. James, are you uh, a spectator in the blood sport? Or are you are you contributing to the? I'm forcefully trying to get my users to upgrade to Big Sur. So as as you can imagine, working for a bank in a regulated industry, it's uh, it, it's a bit tricky. So we we only started allowing users to upgrade to Big Sur probably at the start of the year, um, February March, uh, just because there were a number of security hurdles in terms of some of the security tools that we push out on devices making sure that those were supported first and then allowing users to upgrade and also because we're a bank we also are n minus two so it means that i'm now supporting three os's which is fun and and trying to convince users on the tail end of that to upgrade we trying to get our mojave users just to skip over catalina and go straight to big sur because it's a vastly better experience. But those users on Mojave were burned when they upgraded to Mojave and, and having, and this is way before I was here at the bank. So they're, they're just like, oh no, things are working now. I don't want to change anything. Don't make me change. And it's like, but if you just make this jump, things will be so much easier for you. Uh, things just run smoother. We've got, uh, we've got system extensions now. We can get rid of all those kecks that are causing your devices to just beach ball and shut down all the time and kernel panic. And I just want these users to upgrade. And, and also mainly because I've just put, started pushing out Nudge, the new Swift version, to our Big Sur users. So being able to use that on our Big Sur devices to get people to upgrade we're something at like 90% on the latest version with Big Sur, and yet we're only at about 50% on our older OSs. And so it's, as, as probably everyone here understands, pushing a, a command to a device to upgrade, whether it be using the software update command or MDM commands, doesn't always work. But that having that giant window in front of users saying that keeps on popping up and saying, hey, you have to upgrade and letting the user go through that path, it just makes things a whole lot easier. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Eric Gomez and the Nudge project. Yeah. It's, it's really great. Shauna, how are you sur surviving or suffering with the Big Sur or not Big Sur? I'm actually not. Not a, not a whole lot these days. Um, my position has changed a little bit, so... Um, I'm not doing a whole lot of computer stuff right now, which is interesting. <laughs> different, different, uh, different pace of things over the last, you know, from my previous position. So right now I'm kind of gearing our security team up to, um, to do things a little differently. We just, we're rolling out Unitza, which is going to be really cool. And I'm excited to play with that, but not a whole lot actually in that, in that regard. What is this magical thing? Um, Umnitsa is like, I don't know. Have you guys heard of it? It's like, um, you've heard of it. Yeah. It's a managed uh, SAS inventory system. Yeah. Right. Um, just so we can keep better track of our inventory because we've gone remote and things have gone missing. <laughs> so, um, it's just a better way of keeping track of, um, both physical and, you know, software, um, inventory for things. So I'm kind of spearheading that project and, um, doing a lot of hiring. I mean, crazy amount of hiring so 
that's kind of what I've been doing these days. Building better teams. So what you're saying is there's actually a tool better than just an Excel spreadsheet for managing <laughs> infantry? Yeah. Well, there's numbers. It's, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I've been using the notes app, so, you know. It's, you can this make folders. Well, you, you can, can do a table. A, a table, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I have, yeah. Definitely <laughs> just as good. Same thing. Honestly, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ever, ever since we interviewed uh, Allison from Snipe IT, I was looking into setting up Snipe, but somehow with all the fires burning everywhere, I just haven't had a chance to set it up yet. But it looks awesome. Any system that is, uh, you know, organized, yeah. uh, <laughs> it looks awesome, more awesome than what I'm doing right now. <clears throat> always, there's always room for improvement, uh, right, Lucas? Where, where, where are you headed? Oh, so it's funny that Umnitsa came up. There is a lot of really cool features. Um, it's very the API is very well documented. It has what are called workflows, so it's kind of more of a you know like kind of what a lot of different SaaS vendors are doing, where it's like a no code type solution where you can kind of go in, you know, manipulate data, um, do API calls and that kind of stuff um, from the GUI. For using it as an asset database is like a pivotal point about like your client information. You know, I used Snipe it in a past life, also very API driven, which is really great. So a lot of the a lot of the the momentum, like where we're going is kind of building an obfuscation layer on um, what it means to like have a device be trusted. Like, what does a device mean if it's healthy? Like, how do we know it is? So a practical example of that is currently like if a device isn't in our asset inventory and it doesn't have a host name and it's not assigned to a user, it will completely fail the MDM enrollment process. Um, you know, kind of pushing us towards, you know, proper documentation and asset management. Because in that there's an assignment to a user and then some of our config management tooling uses that information together to, you know, systematically provision machines based on a user's, you know, department or groups and our identity management and stuff so you know kind of how do we how do we holistically approach an endpoint from all of these different kind of SaaS solutions your your umnitsas or your octas or your jump clouds like all of these different things kind of floating around how do we how do we take all of that together and make good decisions about our nodes um we're 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 proposing a change to look at a different way for encouraging users to do OS upgrades. So, you know, there's the nudge factor and stuff. But some of this groundwork that we're laying is kind of setting, setting the stage for systematic restriction of access based on OS version. So if you're accessing from a device to get to something through, you know, a SAML app, it'll actually say like, you know, hey, you're too, you, you got two weeks to update or you're going to lose access to this application or this thing. So um, just kind of taking a different different posture around that kind of thing that's a lot of motivation to update <laughs> yeah yeah you can't you you can't do your role it'll come as a shock but you know there's like you know planned integrations and to just send users slack messages and say hey by the way your machine this machine of yours is out of date um so you need to make sure it's upgraded and stuff using the communication channels that make sense for our org so um, where you live anyway. So, you know, some of that's in fruition, some of that's coming to fruition, some of that's in production. But yeah, like generally that's kind of the direction that we're headed is just how do we collect and holistically evaluate an endpoint and do we trust it and is it healthy and what does that, what does that really mean, you know? And that's really a great way to look at it. So at what point do you notify their edge supervisor? Well, that part of the workflow hasn't even drawn out because you would assume, hey, this person hasn't committed anything in how many, <laughs> how many weeks are they actually doing it? So, you know, it's hard. Like, I feel like as IT, you always hear the phrase, well, like, that's an HR issue. But, like, it's super hard to, like, balance that with, like, how are we delivering that user experience when, you know, the limitations of everyone knows the limitations of MDM and software update and all of those things. You know, how do you balance that? And communicate that or overly communicate it which is where you know nudge is a great tool i mean even managed yeah. software centers built-in stuff is pretty solid about being annoying about stuff too so yeah there's lots of great toolings out there for it and that's why i'm excited about nudge just putting it in front of the user and saying hey we've, we've been asking you to upgrade for this long so about two weeks ago we pushed out our security for us determined that the 11.31 update was critical so 
within 14 days, we need to have 90, 95% of our fleet who are on Big Sur on that OS version. So we kicked off Nudge and they're getting prompted like three, four times a day to say, hey, you have to upgrade. And they can click that button to make it go away, but it is showing up three or four times a day for them in front of them. And at this point, in about 28 minutes, it kicks over into they can no longer, it kicks over the deferral. So it's just like, cool, that window's there now, and it will just pop up every couple of minutes for them, no buttons. So I've already warned our support staff to say, hey, just, just to let you know, it's going to kick over into really annoying mode. And I look forward to seeing what people say about that. If they say, hey, why are you doing this? And it's like, well, we've been telling you about this for the past two weeks, asking you to upgrade. We're not forcing it on you. We're just saying, you need to upgrade by this date, click this button and do it. Do it after work, do it at lunchtime, whenever, just get your device up to date. And at this point, it's like, well, we're just, you know, there's only so much that I can do because as I said, regulated industry, security says, hey, you need to have this OS version. You need to have this OS version. Um, and it gets to that point where it's like, there's not much more that we can do. And, and trying to encourage people nicely, uh, it only gets you so far sometimes. I really loved Managed Software Center's ability to nag people in the past, but with software yeah. update being sort of unreliable and sort of unworkable in the M1, you know, it's been sort of like, yeah, I guess moving to Nudge or something like that, but we haven't moved to M1s in my fleet. So people, my editor clients are still on iMac Pros mostly. So waiting for new pro M1 stuff, but <laughs> waiting for everyone else to uh, blaze the trails. Uh, I, I'll, I'll wait till Mac DevOps to find out what everyone's doing, and then I will plan my summer upgrade or uh, yep. purchasing hopefully new uh, pro hardware for the pro users. But yeah. It's a, it's an interesting balance between security and, and users, security and IT, and some larger orgs have multiple departments and different departments with different you know responsibilities. Whether there's a storage team, a SaaS team, a security team, an IT team, and and the HR team, and the HR team, yeah, yeah. yeah. trying to play nice in that, it's always a challenge. This is my first time working in a large organization, so for reference, we've got about fifty, sixty thousand employees, and about only 2,000, 2,500 of those are Mac users. And whenever we want to make a change that integrates with something, whether it's something is happening with the VPN client or it's not, I just can't, I can't dive in and, and try to fix something. It's like, all right, cool. Go lodge this request with the VPN team. Or there are teams for literally everything. We have a team for Microsoft Teams. We have a team for Office 365. We have a team for Slack Enterprise Grid. Because why settle with just one a collaboration platform when you can have Yammer, Teams, Slack, and email. Just let, let's have them all, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, it's really fun uh, having that many. Yeah, I've been finding the troubleshooting between all the different departments. You know, like I'm more forward facing. I'm like with, I'm usually a consultant embedded with certain clients that are the Mac islands in a corporate environment and trying to find the representative teams to, you know, deal with their concerns. You know, it's a, uh, you know, and you're troubleshooting something and you finally find a security person like, yeah, we turned that off. I'm like, okay. It's like, I'll stop troubleshooting then. <laughs> it's not yep. supposed to work. You're, you don't want Teams on the Mac to work. Okay, okay. It works on my phone, but not my Mac. Okay. Oh, we had a question recently about, because we're about to push out OneDrive and it came back. Uh, yeah, we're just pushing it live on the web and on mobile. And we had to go back for clarification. So we can't push it out on PCs and, and on Macs haven't heard back yet it's like why enable it just for those two and not the primary device that people are using most likely it'll come back as security um or compliance or, or something or dlp yeah dlp is a fun one <laughs> security is important sure but here's the people let me just imagine they're imaginary people and they're trying to do a task how do they do these tasks you know at, at some point it, it gets too much and it's like well how are we actually meant to do our job how are we meant to function? Do you want things to take twice as long? Because if various people are happy to accept that, that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, I was recently told to stop asking to make things better and just, you know, chuck up more hours. Oh, no. I'm like, there's something in me that wants to make things better. Like, yeah. we're not always right, but, you know, we 
go to conferences, we talk to people and we find out what other people are doing. And we go like, oh, I'm doing it this way. It looks like I could you know, set up nudge and that'll be even better. And you're always looking for a better way. And when someone's like, no, or just they're canceling meetings or don't talk to you. And then you're like, hmm, I just have to do the long way then. <laughs> I just can't understand that type of thinking because for me, it's always that just that constant improvement. What's new? What are other people doing? How can I make things better for my users? How can I improve their experience? Because if we improve the experience for our users, then they're going to be more likely to work with us when we need to do things like critical security updates. And it's like, well, they made things life easy for me. Okay, cool. I'll upgrade my machine and just making them do better work. I like to kind of sink into the background and, and just... If, if I'm making your life easier, you're able to do your job better. Um, yeah. And then hopefully eventually it comes back, swings around about. Yeah, Lucas, this uh, evaluating your clients sounds very uh, ultra modern and super cool. What special tech are you using for that? Like uh, Nothing. It, it's pretty much all in, you know, cloud-based service provide, you know, services that you can get off the shelf at your local cloud provider. Um, shelves and clouds his <laughs> metaphors are metaphor. mixing do you put clouds um, in your shelves yeah, or so, shelves in your clouds yeah exactly how else do you <laughs> yeah, store your water um, so you're just a tool you think builder about it? isn't a cloud on a shelf because technically data center server it's true it's mind true. blown it's true thinking about like physical clouds and like how some of them sit in different atmospheres like when you said that, I'm like, actually, yeah, they are yeah. kind of on shelves. Yeah. <laughs> the, the crazy thing I found on TikTok, because of course I found it on TikTok, uh, is like clouds weigh like many, many tons. And, and you're just thinking, okay, so if that just were to fall on me, that would crush me. Or just thinking about how, how does this stuff work? And then you're just like, no, I don't want to think about that because it's going to break my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's got serious, heavy, yeah. heavy. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds it sounds a lot sexier than it is. I think clouds or your yes, your this this both both hands. Uh, <laughs> clouds are just somebody else's network closet, and this is just a bunch of hodgepodge tooling um, to come together. It's I think it's like as you know, system administrators and IT folks, we have a hard you know we have so many different sources of truth. Unquote, you know, asset management, user information. MDMs now are kind of their own island of information. And do we trust it? And, you know, how often do we get it? And things like that. So I think, you know, we have a config management tool in on top of that, right? Like we use Chef. So it's like we have all of the Chef information as well that's running periodically on a client. So how do we aggregate it in a way that's easy to? draw conclusions from and like then what do we we being the organization so you know it could be security or whomever so it's like these things need to be running or these things need um so you know aggregation of the data um collecting that and um, making decisions based on that so there's a lot of different layers there but it's just kind of evaluating each tool and like what's available like if you're using umnita for an asset database it was an example earlier like they have a great api they have a great workflow um you can actually do real time webhooks from Umnitza to another service as assets are updated. So like as assets are changing, you know, same workflow goes in. So like um, for MDM, for example, like as devices are enrolled, um, that process hits um, a webhook, gets information about the device. It's a signee, moves that device through simple MDM into different groups where it gets different policies applied to it or different profiles or things. How do we like manipulate the MDM in a way that's like kind of recreating that systematic control that we have in config management. So like, you know, pour one out for profiles and the ability to actually like install profiles on a device, right? So like everything, ha you know, all of those profiles have to come from an MDM now. So like when you have devices to the nth degree, like how, how do you systematically control those values? So like simple MDM has something that I feel like is very, very underutilized. And I, I get into this in the talk is like, the attributes, custom attributes and attribute overrides. So like the idea of attribute precedence and stuff is really neat because it's like you can have a default value across your fleet or per group, or you can even override it per device. So if you have a microservice that's kind of systematically being hit by one of these APIs, you can then send it off to the device to be updated. So 
you know, user requests, uh, you know, their screensaver is an hour because they're giving a presentation. You can kind of hit that through a managed system that creates an audit trail and you have the ability to do that in a systematic manner. There's no, you're not logging into the, you know, MDM UI and creating an override for the user manually every time somebody wants one of these settings tweaked, that kind of thing. So a lot of, I know that's not, it's like a lot of hand waving. And, you know, no, it's really this, exciting stuff. So it's just, you know, it's like we, I don't know, I feel like, I feel it like being in a, young, a younger company, like what's internal DNS? Like, I don't know. It's not something I have. So like. You are so lucky for that. <laughs> but, but then how do you do, then how do you do reverse proxy caching at your sites? So like it has its own set of, you know, and trust me, there's two other tooling in place to help you know, security glean the information that they want from that lack of that. So, you know, it kind of comes, it kind of comes with both stuff, but like being in a younger org, it's like, I had to like, feel like I was in actually in FinServe in my, my last role. And it had a whole different set of like users that were just standard users, like solving for completely separate types of problems. Right. So this new org relatively young, you know, born out of Vancouver, you know, six, seven years ago, and solving for these problems, this like very SaaS distributed problems, like how do we get all this information together? How do we like if it's good, if it's bad and things like that? Whereas like I don't have a directory to fall back to. I don't have anything like that to like help aggregate this information to make these decisions. And then who needs to know about the decisions and all of this stuff? So, um, yeah, I'm stoked. Like that's what um, I kind of had this like all swirling around and YVR gave me a chance to kind of like formulate it into a blog and a, a blog post and a, and a presentation of how like some of this stuff can be, you know, used and abused through an MDM and stuff. So, yeah. We're big on giving people opportunities. Yeah. But I think uh, you're burying the lead. I mean, you're acting on data, you're getting information and you're acting on it. The whole config management where you can declare a state and change to make that state. I mean, you're getting MDM to help you in this that's amazing. That's, that's well, that's and I, I think like I had the benefit again to like choose an MDM, like to move from one MDM to another. We had an MDM. We have to get off of this. We need to go to MDM, an MDM or multiple, right? Like multi, we support multiple platforms. We support Windows. We support Mac OS. Like what's that look like? And I think ultimately that was that was the decision to our team and why we chose the MDM that we chose, because if we wanted to have the same control, this is same systematic control through like config management or some other tooling that we, we currently had through Chef and the profiles on the CLI, how can we do that with different MDMs that are available? And I have this very deep philosophical point um, planned in my talk where I'm like, what is MDM? Like if you ask somebody like on the Mac admin Slack or wherever, what's MDM? You're going to get all different kinds of answers. And I kept coming back to that PDF document from Apple that says you can do A through Z via these commands, and that's it. So to me, anything above that is an MDM. It's fluff. Package, package delivery, patch management, you know, user, whatever. It, it's, all, it's, all, it's all fluff at that point. So taking that and give, give okay, now I know what I, I know what Apple supports, right? Well, give me an MDM that I can do that systematically via an API because I can script everything else on the other side of that. So give me something that does it, does it well and does it, you know, as best that it can, right? Like there's still going to be that next layer between the endpoint and the MDM, which no one can really control, right? So give me as much control, systematic control over the different layers as possible. So, um, and that's kind of the direction that this, this started down, you know, okay, now that we can Automatically, like configure devices. Well, let's expound on that. Like, let's let's shift to more like an event-based type of logic of taking these events in as they come in in real time. To some extent, I mean, like you're still going to have systems and older systems where you're going to have to run a cron sync or you're going to have to do a fetch job or you're going to have to do that kind of stuff. But as as where where it's possible um, and load is sustainable, like let's get as much information as we can all the time and use that inbound information, these events, this event-driven kind of architecture to then, you know, invoke other actions. You know, what if, a, like, a big thing that always comes up is like, okay, what happens if a user is off-boarded, right? Like, what's the process? So why, why can we not get a hook from 
identity provider that user A was offboarded. And then that triggers a Slack post. This is all hypothetical. This is like my dream, like end state for this specific process. We're not here. I'll just be honest. Like this is my dream, like end state for this. You get a Slack message to the manager of that user, right? Do you want to lock the, you know, do you want, according to whatever our policies are, do you want to lock the device or just wipe the device? I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of making this up. And then that manager can say like, yeah, just go ahead and lock it. Um, set, set a lock code. A lock code systematically generated and then sent, you know, to the device. And then that lock code stored like in this database of asset information and it can be retrieved by whomever, like support or someone from their team to get data, like that kind of stuff. So like this kind of holistic way to like interact, uh, know about a device, but then interact with the things that manage it in a systematic, like that's that to me, like that's the key, right? Like that's how you're going to be able to scale out. Like you're going to continue to grow and be able to support and and devices. I, I mean, I, I obviously like Slack as a user experience because like we as a company live in it every day. We dog food very, very hard. Um, and that's, part of it um so yeah i think it's there's a lot of different layers there right but it comes down to like what can you do with an mdm like what is an mdm so don't you know we already had config management chef we already had package delivery monkey like we already had a lot of those things so we didn't need that in a provider we just needed the mdm controls and that's what we went through and that's what we used and i've had no regrets since so well, I can't wait to hear your quick talk. It's five minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm um, just, <laughs> just. Uh, I'll just talk really fast. We'll we'll speed you up. And and if this doesn't work out for you, you definitely have a good platform for ransomware in, in the future. Just systematically locking platforms through an MDM and putting a lock code on them. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. I mean, that is unless it's unless it's an M1 device. Yes. <laughs> right. yeah. The lock code is optional. James, do you have a dream? Oh, I have many dreams. Just to be able to do things without jumping through so many hoops. <laughs> Good dream. <laughs> Shauna, yeah. uh, dreams? Lots of dreams. Right now, vacation. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> the biggest one. James, what are your hopes for um, Mac DevOps or WWDC? What, what, what good can come out of either? <laughs> Look, I'm just looking forward to presenting something again because I haven't done it in so long. Last time I spoke at something was probably like four years ago, maybe. And looking forward to that. Uh, so maybe I'm a bit narcissistic in, in, in that way. Um, but then from DubDub, I just want to see where they take the OS. I'm interested to see where iPadOS goes. I really want the ability to run something like macOS on, a, on an iPad because you look at the specs of that iPad Pro and it's like, well, it's the same chip that's in the MacBook Air and the iMac and the MacBook Pro. So why can't it run macOS? Just let me, let me play with that. That'd be great. Then I can get rid of this 16-inch device um, and, and go to something that is, you know, when it's on the couch, I can use it as a couch device, read some comics, you know, just consume content but then i walk into my study and i put it on its little magnetic docking case and it switches over to mac os and that that'd be amazing it's not going to happen but it'd be amazing the surface it was interesting hardware with that sort of dual os dual yeah. configuration just too bad about the os yeah and, and that's the, the microsoft did it years ago with that where you'd take it out and it would switch over to arm and then you dock it back in you have the, the graphics and, and the extra battery uh, you know, that surely there's something there, but obviously I have no doubts that Apple, that somewhere at Apple, there is an iPad running some version of macOS and it is sitting there in a basement locked away uh, because they haven't been able to get the UI or the UX just right. And and that's why we'll, we'll, it'll never see the light of day. Do you, do you think that's it? Do you think it's, there is... That it's that UI, it's that UX, or do you think it's that the vendor then will only need to sell you one device and not two? I think that in terms of what Apple has been doing lately, it, over the past several years, the life of the the lifespan of a given Apple device has been extended. Look at iPhones; they're supported 
on newer OSs for longer. Macs are supported with the latest versions of OS for longer. I think it is less likely a a monetary issue and cannibalizing other devices. And it is that UX piece. I think that that is what Apple would want to get right. Apple doesn't do a lot of things perfectly. Not saying that they do, but they do like to make an experience work well for a user in their perspective. And so there is a device probably running it and they're just trying to figure out how do we make it work? When do we switch? Is it like I have to turn this whole device off and, and boot it? Or is it a fast user switching type thing? Yeah, this is I I love this conversation and I love to play devil's advocate for it. Yeah. I like to just I like to see what people like what their conceptual understanding of the platform and like what is it what does that mean to like have an Apple device and that experience. And then I always like my next my next question for this is so is it going to be an iPad OS iOS based device that emulates the experience of Mac OS or is it going to be Mac OS running within that same hardware in an environment that's been enabled for touch because those two things and how they're developed in the underlying systems have vastly different implications technically Maybe they're virtualizing mac os in ipad os well they have taken steps in the virtualization lately yeah. and you know the the two devices they're running the same processor so it's not it's not a capability issue because the hardware is exactly the same inside that yeah. ipad pro that's in a MacBook Air. It's just laid yeah. out differently. Yeah, I, I love my iPhone. I do everything on my phone. My wife is always like, why are you trying to do this uh, you know, a, a task on your phone? And I'm like, every website should work on here. Sisyphus. I'm doing everything on my phone. you know. And my wife's like, just go to your laptop. That website will not work on your phone. I'm like, I'm doing everything <laughs> on my phone. My phone is awesome. But I find when you get to a certain level of tasks, like you're moving objects from one app to another, the, sh- the sandbox security model just it's just so crazy to have to click a share button and hope that the app you want to send the object to, the item, the yep. picture, the text file, it's just, I scream like, ah, go to my laptop. You know, it's just like, but, you know, I mean, iOS is amazing. iPad OS has gotten amazing. But yeah, I, I'm buying all these books from Armin Briegel, but I don't read them on my laptop because I hate reading on my laptop, but I don't, you know, it's like, you have to go over to your iPad, you know, or something or, uh, it's, uh, yeah. You, you can select all and let it read to you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a beautiful thought. That's a beautiful thought. <laughs> James, I'm, I'm wondering if the, the longevity that you're seeing isn't actually regulatory uh, in that you have uh, government organizations saying that you need to build some longevity in, into your devices versus just the magic kindness of, of the fruit company. Magic kindness. I, I don't think it's either. I don't think it's the magic kindness of the fruit company. I don't think that it is regulatory in nature because Apple would just fight that tooth and nail of someone coming in and dictating to them that you have to support this device for X, X number of years. California I think it is just that, though. I mean, they, they, set, they set standards for Apple Care to have seven years of support. So okay. it, does, it has happened. It doesn't happen often, I agree. Yeah. So in Australia, so Apple, everywhere worldwide, they say, hey, you've got a one-year warranty on your device. Mm -hmm. In Australia, we have consumer laws that say that based on the expectation of purchasing a given device is how long it should be supported. So effectively, I could walk into an Apple store with a device that is two years and 11 months old and still get a replacement on that device or a repair for free because under consumer warranty, that's just kind of the bar that Apple has set and saying, cool, three years, yeah, okay, for a laptop, that's fine. But you look at a fridge and you can probably eight years because you buy a fridge, you don't expect it to die that soon. So we're, we're, we're lucky here. But I think going back to the question around why are these devices supported so long, I think that we're hitting... Each year, the processing power of this stuff just kind of jumps up and up and up. And there's not, th- it's, it's not getting consumed by the OS. Like, unless you're talking about games that are just using absolutely every, every um, inch of power on a device, 
it's just a fact that the chips in these devices are so powerful that they're able to keep on keeping up for longer. And we're, we're going to get to that point where how much further can you go without putting some kind of quantum computing chip in a, in a device? And yeah, no, I don't want to think about that. That also breaks my brain um, to stay away from that stuff. Uh, but I, I think that that's why these devices just continue to work. Yeah, I, I think it's it's less processing power now and more storage, especially as Apple charges for golden storage and, and the OS keeps expanding with their gigabytes. And the speed of the speed of the storage as well, the speed of the RAM, the speed of the SSD in these devices. You you take a, a device when you were going devices with hard disk drives and how slow they were and they would kind of continually wear out. Yes, SSDs wear out, but because of how fast they are, you just don't notice it because things right. just happen so quickly. Yeah, I have a G4 uh, cube that boots up in 15 seconds flat. It's amazing on an SSD. <laughs> I, found a, uh, I found an old Macintosh SE on the side of the road, took it home, had the full original keyboard and mouse. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. Plugged it in, turned it on. 20 seconds later, it was at the desktop and it was just working. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Okay. I used to have that fat Mac and it would just like boot with like a 400k floppy with the OS and word one. And, you know, I, I wish I'd kept it. I got rid of a lot of my old vintage machines, but it was just, it was a great example of how quickly things can boot and work right away. And yeah, I also got a, another a good uh, feeling of how awesome Macs are, even though there's been some quality issues with keyboards. I, I helped uh, my uh, eldest daughter uh, build a windows PC for, cause she's into gaming and she wanted to, to build a PC and, uh, just like building it all and at the end we're like oh the graphics card needs some drivers uh because you know that's why it looks so crazy and then i'm like oh um how do we connect to the internet uh this <laughs> this pc doesn't have wi-fi it's like we built this whole thing researched the, the the graphics cards made sure the cooler the you know the fan fit on the cpu fit in the case and got everything and then we're like there's no wi-fi on this like yeah. have to like like go go back to the store and get another wi-fi card or get a usb dongle or something and it was so funny but uh you know, it's it's fun to build something, I guess. But yeah, just you you appreciate how well built Macs are. Usually, just everything is yeah. there: the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, the, like everything is nicely sandwiched and packed in. You don't have to. I, we did all the cables and everything, and then like uh, you know, there was a suggestion from someone else going, "Ah, oh, you cabled it everything wrong. It's like totally like functional but terrible. Like just remove all those cables, redo it, and had to take the motherboard out a couple of times because we did it wrong. We oh. forgot the insert for the, the ports. And it was just like, it took like four or five hours. I'm sure someone could have built it in 10 minutes or something, but it was like a long time. But yeah, very artisanal, uh, you know, those Windows gamings. Um, Shauna, do you have any uh, dreams you want to share and the thoughts for the future? Not a ton right now, actually. You're living in the moment? Pretty much, yeah. Just day by day. My, my role is um, changing as I know it pretty soon i won't talk much about where i'm where, where where i'm going where i'm planning to go but um yeah i'm just you know my focus has changed a lot at work and um yeah things are different right now <laughs> so not a not a whole lot of knowing where i'm going or what i want just kind of going with things grounded in the the task of keeping a small human alive oh yeah i mean that's part of it it's a piece of it but like also um the work i feel like for me has gotten a little bit exhausting um <laughs> so i've kind of taken a different role and and trying something new still technical but just on a in a different space in a different area so yeah bold Courage, yeah. courageous very courageous but i you know kind of gotten to the point where i'm like okay this is cool i like this but i want to try something new so it's awesome you gotta yeah my mom told me a long time ago, uh, and my mom is my number one hero. I want, want our number one podcast <laughs> listener our to only hear this. Podcast listener, so. Our only podcast listener. But my, hey, mom. Mom t my mom told me a long time ago, she's like, you don't have to do your job forever. It's like 10 years max, you know, and then switch jobs. You know, it's just How's don't give up. For you? I'm stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've been chained to this chair. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Well, how much of that, how much of that is the same thing? Especially, you know, at the pace that Apple reinvents, you know, everything from the OS to storage to it's just it is it's it's even if you're a, you've been an assistant administrator for 10 years, it's still like a completely different world. 
oh, from where totally, we were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm helping video people on networks with SMB and 10 gig. Also, you know, when it was all fiber channel and XNs before and everything was on-prem. Now it's like moving stuff to Dropbox and other cloud providers and editing in the cloud when it was only editing on-site, you know, only remote. Uh, so to, to Lucas's point, though, I mean, really, MDM is profiles and profiles is just MCX wrappers. So really, we're still just doing MCX. <laughs> as long as we're always going to be helpful to someone, we'll have jobs forever. I, I always go back to that. The, the technical is fun to chase and it's fun to learn stuff. It makes our brains move. But I think in, the es- in essence, we're helpful and helping people and um, we'll always have work. What are JD's dreams? I, I have no dreams. Um, <laughs> Sorry, JD. Uh, I, I had a nightmare and you were in it. Yeah. No. My, my dream is for this to be ed- easy to edit, which I've not helped in, in that matter. So there's that. Yeah, James, you keep interrupting me. To say? <laughs> yeah, I was saying exactly the same thing. And just, just a, a, an episode that's easy to cut and easy to edit without a lot of fluff, um, without Matt rambling. <laughs> Lucas, how do we find you on the internet? Yeah, preferably you don't. Um, no, just just kidding. No. Uh, so Twitter uh, at Lucas J Hall underscore. I'm at Lucas on the Mac Admin Slack. Yeah, that's a good springboard. Find me. Yeah, yeah. Chat me. Good. I'm, that's good. I'm always around. James, how do we find you? Most of my social accounts are private, uh, but you can feel free to, to, to look those up at SmithJW. Um, that's where you'll find me on the Mac admins Slack. That's if you, if you ask me a question there, I'll probably get back to you more likely than anywhere else. Nice. Well, thank you both for joining us. It's been an amazing, fun time to talk about. I don't even remember what we talked about, so, but it was lovely. The Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast is looking for sponsors. Support and encourage developers in IT to work together to solve problems for our community by sponsoring Mac DevOps. If you're interested in sponsoring the Mac DevOps YVR conference and podcast, send an email to hello at mdoyvr.com. Thank you to our awesome Mac DevOps sponsors. This year for Mac DevOps 2021, our platinum sponsor is Mac Stadium. Thank you so much. They are also sponsoring our Hack Night. This year, a new sponsor, our gold sponsor, Swiss Flow AG with their Mac Bare Metal instance. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our silver sponsor is Simple MDM. Thank you, Taylor. You are amazing. We couldn't do this conference without our sponsors. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. So how far off the rails are we from normal? This is pretty normal. This is pretty normal. Okay, yeah. cool. It, our right, podcasts great. just sound like they're normal because I edit all of this banter out. Bad. Yeah, for me, it's always in editing the podcast. It's, there'll be something will go wrong and everyone on the podcast is like, sorry, James. And <laughs> I'm secretly... Collecting and exporting every single time that right. they do that, and eventually I'll have something that's about an hour long of people just apologising to me, uh, which I might publish in the feed. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs>